Welcome to the UK Travel Planning Podcast. Your host is the founder of the UK Travel Planning website, Tracy Collins. In this podcast, Tracy shares destination guides, travel tips, and itinerary ideas, as well as interviews with a variety of guests who share their knowledge and experience of UK travel to help you plan your perfect UK vacation. Join us as we explore the UK from cosmopolitan cities to quaint villages, from historic castles to beautiful islands, and from the picturesque countryside to seaside towns. Welcome to the UK Travel Planner Podcast. In this week's episode, we share the highlights of our recent 12-week UK vacation, including how we found travel in 2022, plus top tips we learned during our trip. We answer questions posed both in our UK and London Travel Planning Facebook community and from guest Karen, who at the time of recording was planning her own visit to the UK with her family after eight years of living in Australia. In this episode, discover the highlights of the trip, plus how we cope with the challenges of travel in 2022, how we got around the UK, how we managed our budget, packing tips, how we stayed online and much, much more. You can more hear more about how we actually planned the 12-week trip in episode number nine. But for now, let's hear from Karen and have a chat about our recent trip. Okay, Karen, it's great to talk to you again. I'm so pleased that you're able to come on the podcast to chat about my recent trip with Doug back to the UK. Um, and um, I know loads of people are interested in knowing how it went. Um, and I know because you're going to be going very soon. So if you want to just reintroduce yourself, because obviously you were on a previous podcast talking to me about the trip before we went, um, that would be brilliant. Yeah. Hi, Tracy. I'm Karen, um, as you know, and I uh, live close to you in Brisbane, um, but I'm originally from the UK and we've been living in Australia for um, about eight years now. And we're just planning our first trip back to the UK um, actually next week. We're going to be setting off. So it's really nice to be catching up with you about your trip and finding out all of the fun things and getting all of your tips about your big trip that you've just had so that I can learn all of the things. And I'm sure your listeners are going to be able to learn lots of things while we have a chat too well it's going to be honestly I'm, I'm actually really envious that you're going back next week I know we were there for 12 weeks but um and we've only actually been back for three weeks but I'm but I'm already uh, desperate to go back and have my my next little fix and I must admit I keep I keep thinking about Christmas in London and Christmas <laughs> in the UK <laughs> thinking oh maybe I should uh, think about going back for another little trip but we'll have to see but obviously you've got your trip coming up so um yeah it'll be really interesting to see how you get on as well since it's been quite a long time eight years since you've been back and um, like mm-hmm. I often say because obviously we're both we're both English we're both British that um, we also have to go, th- go through exactly the same processes when we're planning our trips back um, in terms of planning our itinerary and thinking about all the logistics and how we're going to get around and what we're going to do and booking tours and booking hotels and all that sort of stuff and I know you've been you've been planning quite quite a lot over the last sort of month or so haven't you so it's been a bit hectic yeah, no, there's so many logistics involved in it. And there's like questions about money and Wi-Fi and phones and just tra- train travel and all those kind of things. So it'll be really good to have a chat and, and pick your brains now and uh, learn as much as I can from you so that we can have fun on our trip too. So do you want to give us a bit of a recap about where you went on your trip? Because I know you kind of went everywhere. We did. Oh, we did. We <laughs> we had 12 weeks back. So we arrived back on the 9th of May. And we um, left on the 6th of August. So we were there just about, I think it was exactly 12 weeks. So in that time, we spent, um, well, all of the 12 weeks touring around England and Scotland. We did not fit Wales, Northern Ireland, and we had even thought about going to Ireland, but we just didn't fit any of that in um, because there was actually so much to see in those 12 weeks just exploring England and Scotland. We did have a short little trip over to Paris, which was really nice, but uh, the majority of the time was spent in England and Scotland. So we basically spent the first month uh, tour in Scotland. So we hired a car, we spent a few days in Edinburgh and then uh, toured around Scotland. Um, we went to Calendar, Oban, from Oban up to, um, I should remember all of this, we went um, <laughs> to Fort William and then across the sky. Then we did the North Coast 500 um, onto the Orkneys and then down to Inverness and then back to Edinburgh. So that, that was about three weeks, which was was absolutely fantastic. Um, and then June, most of June, we spent um, 
uh, we were in England again. We spent a few days in um, London. Um, I popped over to Paris uh, for, a, for a short visit uh, and then to the Cotswolds, Lake District, Bath, um, popped over to Cambridge for a few days and then um, back to London again. And then in July, um, again, started off the month in London. Then we did um, went down to Portsmouth, uh, which was fantastic. Really had a good time at the we went to the dock um, docks to see the Mary Rose. And then after that, we hired a car and we did a trip around Devon and Cornwall. And then um, after that, we were back um, in Birmingham, actually visited my mum for a few days. And then we went up to Northumberland, <laughs> would you believe it? And then we came back down to Birmingham and then flew out the beginning of August. So we did um, cities, we did um, countryside, we did some absolutely gorgeous seaside towns, Um and we took the train and we drove. So we did some road trips. We did lots of train trips. Um, so we did you know, lots of different ways of getting around. And in London, we stayed in three different um, places in London. Uh, I did stay with friends for, for one of the one of our time in London. But the uh, other times we, we stayed um, beside the Tower of London uh, and we also stayed at Covent Garden. So wow. we managed, I think, all together about 10 days in London on it between sort of because May, June and July, we spent a, a bit of time in London each time. So, yeah. And I know that when you're planning it all, like I have been, you, there's a tendency to want to kind of do all of the things. And it's yeah. really hard trying to kind of narrow down what are the important things to you that you really, really want to do? Because we're going back for five weeks and I've had to scale back the amount of things we were hoping to do because when you start kind of plotting it all into kind of a spreadsheet about what you're going to do on which day, it just it gets really overwhelming and there's so yeah. much to cram in and then you've got travel time between different places and things and you want to allow time in to just relax and enjoy it as well while you're there. Um, what are the must-see places that you like, the, your favourite attractions, your favourite places along the way? Oh, okay, there were so many. I think um, I really loved um, St Michael's Mount in Cornwall. It, it was just so magical. We We arrived when the tide was in so we actually got a boat over um to the island at that point because it was an island because the sea was in and then we spent a couple of hours exploring that the island itself and then by the time we were going to walk back over to the mainland the sea um had gone out so the causeway was walkable so then we walked back over and uh, to where we parked the car um the weather was absolutely beautiful that day it was stunning sun sunshine blue sky um and it, it was just gorgeous it's a really magical place i was so pleased that we, we got there um i think this is gonna I'm be adding a that to my list <laughs> we're oh, going to Cornwall for three nights i've just been having a look at booking accommodation for there so yeah. i will add that to my list now because it's somewhere i've never been before oh to yeah well. absolutely 100 percent recommend it um other other places that i really enjoyed was the orkneys which are kind of quite un well, not unusual for people to go to but we don't hear it that often in in our um travel planning facebook group but doesn't come up you know going to the orkneys and really i think it should because the orkneys were absolutely fantastic it's a really short i think it was only about an hour on the ferry over um and we, we only stayed two days but there's just so much to see there and all the neolithic um scara bray and the stones of brodga and it again it was such a fascinating place to visit really fascinating really interesting so that's somewhere that we'll definitely want to go back to again the only thing was it was absolutely freezing and I mean freezing so I had to buy a, <laughs> a fairy hat because I, I literally I was so cold when we were up there um you know, and that was probably middle middle of May, and I expected it to be a bit warmer. They did say it was the coldest May they'd had for a long, long time, um, but it, but it was lovely, and it's just such a different place to go to. Um, I enjoyed also um, going to Vindolanda. So I'm originally from Northumberland, so really kind of familiar with Hadrian's Wall, but I'd never been to Vindolanda, which is a um, remains of Roman fort, um, and it was 
excellent. It was a really, really good and really interesting day. My sister came with me as well. She, she'd not been. Um, and we just loved it. The tour was so informative. It was really interesting and just fascinating to explore that kind of that Roman history of, of Britain. Um, so that was something I'd highly recommend that people do um, if they're up in Northumberland and going to explore Hadrian's Wall. Definitely put Vindolander on the list. Um, we also stayed in some really nice accommodation in some places that made it kind of special. So we stayed in a shepherd's hut on Bodmin Moor, um, which was just lovely. There was just wild ponies around us. Um, again, that's just a kind of totally different landscape to what I was expecting and used to. Um, interesting driving on those roads because, you know, the there's just narrow and single file and you've got to be you know you have to have your wits about you when you're driving on there being careful um but it was amazing and we were there we drove past this farm and it had um like this milk milk shed thing and you could go and uh, make a milkshake so it was all automatic so you could get the milk and then shoot so we, we made a raspberry milkshake i've got a video of it i must say it was just <laughs> you had to milk the cow to get the milk no, <laughs> <laughs> thank goodness um <laughs> it was just it was this it was amazing i've never seen anything like it um i'll put some pictures on with the show notes just to show people what it was like but you know we're just randomly down this we went down this uh, lane and there it was and that was fantastic we also stayed when we're doing the north coast 500 we stayed in a glamping pod in far northern scotland which was just amazing we woke cold up in the morning was it freezing <laughs> uh, no that wasn't actually yeah. as cold as going up well because we went over to the orkneys the day after um but we were surrounded by deer just just yeah just loads and loads of deer wild deer it was it was just re really amazing um so i feel like in this this trip we got more in touch with kind of that um rural side of of england and scotland um we went over to sky so isle of sky was fantastic the weather wasn't brilliant but again what absolutely beautiful i think there's a theme here of islands actually <laughs> so uh, yeah because we also went on to the holy island of lindisfarne in northumberland which which i'm very familiar with since i was a child but again that's always a lovely lovely place to go and visit um and then i'm trying to think we also we went down to portsmouth and i've been wanting to see the mary rose um i remember when the mary rose which was henry the eighth's um ship sank um it sank in the 1600s i should know this 1500s 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 <laughs> and um i'm gonna have to look the date of that up now because i should know that <laughs> i was just reminding you used to be a history teacher that's why you remember it not you were actually alive at the time <laughs> no 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 that's what i was gonna say yeah no <laughs> alive when it when he was around no it was a it sank in 50 and something and it was i remember when it was raised and i think it was 1980 1981 and it was on the television i don't know if you can remember but it was a big thing anyway they've created a fantastic museum at the top dockyard in in a historic dockyard in portsmouth uh absolutely very 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 good how they've done yeah. this museum and how they're actually displaying the the remains of the mary rose um, which was, you say, Henry VIII's flagship. Um, it was just, it just the whole story around it is really fascinating, and how they've done the presented it is excellent. Um, the victory is also in the dockyard, so it's worth going to see the victory as well if you're there. Um, so that was kind of getting myself back in, in touch with my you know, history teacher roots, even though I can't remember the dates. <laughs> I think that's probably an age thing more than anything else. Um, so that was it was that was fascinating. We also went to lots and lots of stunning, beautiful English country gardens. Uh, you know, just in the in the Cotswolds. Um, so that that was they were just beautiful. I've never seen so many absolutely stunning roses and just flowers and colour. And obviously because it was really warm, it we you know it was pretty hot, hot summer from sort of July was really warm. Um, you could really you know appreciate the the colours with the beautiful blue sky. Um, it, it has been quite a dry summer, um, so that was the one thing. But um, yeah, so that just the gardens, the lavender fields, and the Cotswolds were lovely. And then we went to Highclere to um, Downton Abbey, which was on the hottest day of the year, so I think it was forty two <laughs> degrees <laughs> when we were there. But that was a real highlight. Doug and I loved that because we're both big fans of Downton Abbey. Um, and so it was it was fascinating to to go and, and look around the house um, and they've done it really, really well because there's photographs of um, the, sh the different um, obviously when they're shooting the, the, the series. So you can see the rooms and then pictures of of the actors 
obviously when they're busy filming. Um, so that's really, really good. And the grounds are lovely. You park really close, so you don't have to walk a long distance to actually get to go. And then you go around, have a look around the house, and then you can go and have a cup of coffee and just sit underneath the trees, which is what we did. It was just a lovely, lovely day. Um, and then obviously London's always a joy to go to. We had a fantastic afternoon tea in at the Shard. We did the Peter Pan afternoon tea with the Shard, which was lovely. And um, we had a photo shoot in London, which I was kind of, I've never really had one. Well, I've never had one before, not really had one. I've never had one. Um, so we organized with Domi from Scale In Studio um, to take to some photos, um, which was, we had such a ball. We had such a laugh. Um, and she took some absolutely gorgeous photos. Um, so I can't wait to actually go back in and have her take some more, possibly some Christmas ones would be nice, um, because it was lovely. And what a great souvenir. So we're going to get one of those pictures kind of put on the wall. We're going to get it made into canvas. Um, so that was really something different and a really nice kind of way to remember the trip. Yeah, it's lovely, really. When you don't really think about getting photos when you're traveling and you're rushing around and seeing all the different sites, but just making a few minutes to kind of have some nice photos taken as mementos and in all these beautiful backdrops and beautiful locations and kind of encapsulating those beautiful memories that you're having from the trip. It's really a nice idea. Absolutely. I like it. Lovely. And because often I'm the one taking the photos, so I'm not often not in the photos and then trying to take selfies. So actually haven't meeting somebody who's that's their job to come and take your photos mm. and have them properly. It, it's just a lovely, lovely way, uh, can I say, to get beautiful pictures with some of the iconic London backgrounds. We had some taken at the um, on Tower Bridge and Tower London or the red telephone box. Um, so, yeah, that was just, it was really good fun as well. I, was, I wasn't sure I thought I'm going to be really nervous having a picture taken, but actually uh, because she's really good, we kind of settled into it and, um, yeah, relaxed and, and really enjoyed it. And Doug enjoyed it too. So, so that was really good. Yeah. So um, getting into some of the logistics of the planning of the trip and organising it now. Um, I know Doug is really into train travel. I'm assuming you got around mostly by train. Uh, we did some. So we did Scotland by um, we drove around Scotland um, because a lot of that you need to you need a car to get some like the North Coast 500. <laughs> you know, um, you can do some train trips in Scotland, which we've done before. Um, and we did Devon and Cornwall. Um, we drove around Devon and Cornwall, and we also had a car for the Cotswolds. Um, and then and actually, were cars that you'd hired in different yeah, places. Yeah, hired them quite a long time in advance. We um, mainly because this is such a huge demand for hire cars. Um, so we, and we did actually get one last minute really uh, for Northumberland because um, we were going to go up and stay with my sister and she had a problem with her car. So we were like, well, we better hire one. So we, we hired one actually from a local company in Burton-on-Trent, which was brilliant. Uh, I actually managed to get an automatic as well because trying to get an automatic, which is what we prefer to drive, it costs you a lot more and they're just harder to get. So if you're if anybody's planning to do a road trip around the UK, um, I'd highly recommend booking your getting a car as soon as possible and being very clear that you want an automatic um it will cost you more but you know if that if you're not comfortable driving on the roads in the uk it's perhaps the, the different side of the road to what used to um it's one less thing to think about if you've got an automatic um so i must admit i didn't do i did some some of the driving with automatic i wasn't very keen on doing the driving the manual even though i drove a manual for 30 odd years I've got out the habit of it. Um, so Doug did most of that, particularly around places that he we had a, a manual car for um Devon and Cornwall, so he did a lot of that driving. I think he did most of that driving actually. But the rest of the time we took the train. Um, because we're going like from London to Birmingham or London to York, York, we, uh, no, we, we didn't get the train actually, we, we drove with friends, but um we took the train Edinburgh down to York. Um back down to London, went to Canterbury, we went down to Portsmouth, we took the train, we went to Exeter, went to um, Salisbury, Bath, we did all of that by train. Um, so I'd say it was probably, if I added it up, it was probably a bit 50-50 this time, mainly because we had chosen some destinations that we knew were going to probably be easier to get around by car. So do you recommend booking train travel ahead? I know you say booking cars ahead is a good idea if you're going to hire a car. Is it a good idea to get train tickets in advance? Well, train, it's been a bit difficult this summer, actually, with train travel because there have been some um, strikes and that they're still ongoing in the UK. And um, we were really lucky in that the days that we were traveling, we weren't affected. But we know 
quite a few people who were. So I think with train travel, it depends what you're going to do. If you're going to do a lot of train travel, um, we've got a Best of Britain by by rail two-week itinerary. Um, and quite a lot of, um, I've had actually quite a lot of emails from people and um, I know members of our Facebook group who've actually done our itinerary and said it worked really, really well. Um, so we kind of recommend looking at, if you're going to do a lot of train travel, then looking at a Brit Rail Pass or um, looking at a URail global pass, you kind of have to work out which works out best for you and however many days that you plan to travel. But that does give you flexibility um, to kind of hop on, hop on and off trains for the days that you've kind of got on your pass. Um, otherwise, sometimes they say, you know, point to point tickets are, are sometimes if you're not going very far, rather than get it, you know, pass might cost you a bit too much, then point to point tickets are probably worth doing. Obviously, so in London, we have an Oyster card, there's always a big, big debate about whether people use Oyster card or just use contactless. Well, um, and I kind of say to people weigh up the pros and cons for you personally and figure out what you want. I don't like to use my credit or debit card. I prefer just having my Oyster card and tapping that on and off because I know if I lose that, it's you know, it's not as much of a hassle as being somewhere and losing my credit card or debit card. Also, I just don't like getting it out of my purse or my bag or in and out. So, so we used um, Oyster cards, and you can go obviously quite quite all around the kind of London area with your Oyster card and on the buses. Um, and I just find that really easy. So um, we've had the Oyster card for a long time. You just we just top it up with more money when, whenever we go back to London um so yeah we use that one thing i'll just say about um driving at the moment is that the cost of petrol or gas if you're american is it's it's very expensive when we were there the summer it was around about two pound um a liter which is, it's a lot of money mm-hmm. um so so that actually because obviously we budgeted for the trip but um probably spent a bit more than we had planned mainly because we'd hired a car for an extra week in Northumberland and also because um we hadn't quite factored in just how much petrol was going to cost um and also um I think you get used to in Australia where we don't really pay for parking very many places but in the UK that just everywhere you want to park they charge you <laughs> I've forgotten about that <laughs> even I'd forgotten just how you know they charge everywhere and then you're stuck because some places want cash some places want you to register and do it via your phone um and that, so it, it can be a bit of a minefield really with just parking so um and then the ones that you go to that they they only want cash or ones you go to they don't want cash at all but you've got to do it <laughs> via and then the tap on tap some of them you can tap and then they don't work so particularly we found St. Ives well St. Ives we actually gave up trying to park we we went because we didn't have any cash and we couldn't get we couldn't figure out how to actually pay at this this car park um so we we just well we tried for about half an hour to figure out how we could make it work we didn't and we weren't the other only other people trying to do it I think there were um some some people from Korea also trying to work out how they could do it with the phone um so we gave up so actually what we did is we, a couple of days later we, we parked at St um I think actually we went from St Austell we went to St Earth changed at St Earth and then went into St Ives on the train how much easier was that less stress just so much easier so yeah. even let's say actually even if you have got a car I'd work out if you really need it for all of the trips because sometimes you're better off parking at a train station and then getting the train yeah we were just talking actually about Cornwall and how we're going to get around because I know when we used to live in the UK and we used to go on holiday to Cornwall the car parks would be full by 8am in the morning by the beach and it was just so busy to get parked there and you're probably looking I've got no idea how much car parking for a day at a beach car park now is but probably Fifteen pound, I'm guessing something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I know it was expensive. I, I I'll think tell you after when we when we get back. Five, yeah. yeah, five six pounds. I can't. I, I, it was it was quite difficult, and yeah, that's one thing about Cornwall is that parking. It, it can be really difficult to do. I mean, we a few places we struggled to park. I think majority of the places we did manage. Actually, the same in Yorkshire. When we're in Yorkshire, it was in the the first week in June, and we couldn't. There was a few. Um, towns we just couldn't get parked in village we just had to just keep driving past because it was we just were driving around around car parks trying to get parked and um, the same with we went to Robin Hood's Bay gave up because we couldn't get parked it was the obviously the school holiday in the UK at that time so there was more people around and the weather was good um, 
But yeah, I think you just can't underestimate the trying to get parked sometimes how how challenging it can be and difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so like say St. Ives, I, I was I was really miffed the first time. I was like, well, I don't want to go back. It's so hard. I can't get parked. And then... Uh, Hang on, but it was but, worth it because I saw that fish and chip picture that you had. Well, the best I, fish and chips that you've ever had. <laughs> I'm so glad that Doug convinced me to go back actually <laughs> because... Um, we had a wonderful day at St. Ives and I loved it. I, I just thought it was, and again, a lovely place to wander around. And we had the best fish and chips. Honestly, the Harbour Fish Bar, I think it's called, in St. Ives was the, oh, it was, I cannot describe how tasty that, that fish and chips were, but they were delicious. I mean, we had some fantastic food when we were back. I know the UK sometimes get a, gets a wrap. I don't know when people are but about British food, but actually we had some really good food. So um, that's perfectly leading into the next question there. What, what were the best meals apart from the amazing fish and chips, which I'm definitely going to be going and enjoying when we go there? Well, I expect to see photos when you do. Well, will. Um, will. put them in the group. <laughs> yeah, or oh, please do. So I think um, we we enjoyed, I, I absolutely, we, we love um, haggis, sneeps and taddies. Um, and we always go to Macca's fish, uh, mash bar, I guess, ma- I'm going to say it right. Macca's Mash Bar in Edinburgh. Every time okay. we go, we have. I thought you were saying Macca's as in like Australian slang for McDonald's. Macca's. No, no. M A K A R S. Macca's Mash Bar. And they do like gourmet mash, but they do the best. I mean, I just love their haggis, neeps and tatties. It's really quite hot and spicy, but they do a small portion as well, which is perfect for me. Um, so that that's always just brilliant we love that um so we always go there and um, we actually went to the um the magpie and whitby as well which we've been wanting to go to again and also actually the fish and chips there were were, were outstanding as well uh very very good fish and chips um but it's got such an excellent reputation and um it didn't disappoint it was really good did you have to queue um, to get in or was it quite did you book we booked yeah yeah you need to book really um we were lucky actually in saint ives that we got in um because that was also sit you can take do a takeaway at that the fish bar but we we managed to get a, a seat and i think it was about sort of 12 ish time and it was quite busy in saint ives because the, the sun was out and a lot of people were on the beach but um we, yeah we were lucky with that um the same with maccas actually i booked that so the other one we, we enjoyed actually because we did some some afternoon teas um i didn't do as many as i had planned to do um just it just didn't really get the time and i think also the the price the cost of it actually does add up so i was like we're gonna have to be a bit more um picky with what we do so we we absolutely loved the georgian tea room at the dome in edinburgh i cannot praise the staff in that that place enough what amazing staff they were just so lovely so attentive the food was lovely the actual venue the place itself is gorgeous um so it's a 10 out of 10 for me just lovely so i will always when we go back to edinburgh the georgian tea room at the dome will always be on our itinerary um then the other one we really liked um we went to the Shard for to the Peter Pan afternoon tea. Um, and again, just magical. You know, you just have the best view over um, Tower of London and Tower Bridge and over London itself. Um, and again, that was just a lovely afternoon tea, just a really lovely experience. Um, so I think those were probably our, our highlights. And then actually, I guess on a personal note, we stayed with with friends in June. And uh, I'm going to have to say that Linda's Linda's Sunday roast was absolutely fantastic. Um, <laughs> it was brilliant. She just made it absolutely fantastic. Really, and Doug's still raving about the couple of Sunday roasts that she did that were so tasty. And when we first arrived, um, so my favorite food is gammon steak. Um, and also I love scampi, both of which are just about impossible get in australia um so the first night i think i I think i had scampi the first night the second night which was my birthday we had um uh gammon steak on my birthday and then the the day after that we had scampi again so i really kind (laughs) of indulged actually and i had so much scampi in in scotland but by the time i came back down i was like i don't want to have any more scampi. (laughs) it's funny because when we moved from the uk to australia we didn't really expect the food here to be very different but there's so many things here that like we just miss from back home that we can't yeah. like my husband Matt just loves gammon steak and he's going to just eat all the gammon all the ham 
all yeah. the sausages, all the sausage yeah. rolls, all the bacon, yeah. <laughs> all yeah. of those kind of things, and, and scampi. And he was saying, like, mussels in white wine and all those kind of things. Oh, you yeah. tend to get a lot in restaurants there that you don't yeah. get. Um, yeah. It's definitely a very different eating experience. So I think we're going to also be following in your footsteps and eating all of the food when we go back. <laughs> I think oh. that will be a large part of our budget. <laughs> it was it was really it was really good and also because um i really enjoy a nice pims and so because it was the summer and obviously wimbledon was it on <laughs> so why would Covent, you not <laughs> Covent garden it was fantastic they had um they had deck, deck chairs set up and a pims like tent and you could go and sit and buy your pims and sit and watch the tennis it was it was fabulous so we, we did we did that um and that was really good <laughs> So, yeah, and, and actually, I think when we went to Cambridge, the tennis was still on. And actually, between the train station and where we were staying in Cambridge, again, they had a big screen set up and people were sitting, drinking pims and enjoying the warm weather and enjoying the tennis outside. So, you know, it, it was really nice to, because obviously we're used to that outside lifestyle, in especially in Queensland. And um, it, then, you know, the UK, the last time I was back, it was winter. So obviously everybody's indoors. So it was actually really nice this to be back over the, the, the summer months where, everybody's outside and you could sit in your deck chair and, and you know enjoy enjoy a pims and lemonade and watch a bit of tennis and this summer was an exceptionally hot summer over there wasn't it it's not normally those temperatures but you've had really hot weather yeah it was um there was a couple of days um in july um i think july the 17th sticks in my head because it was the day that we went to um high clare it was 42 um and i think that the next day was around about the same there were about two days where it was in the so early 40s which is really i think it's i think it was the hottest days ever um and it actually stretched over up quite a far amount of the, con the country i know it was up, up in the northeast and my sister's not very keen on warm weather so she was she was moaning about it but um yeah, it was. We did have a lot of contrast in weather. I mean, Scotland was was colder than normal, and the, the, it was wetter than normal. I think as well. Um, so that caught us out a little bit. Um, I'm going to add an extra question in here yeah. that's not on your on the list that we've kind of gone through before. Yeah. Um, what to wear? What kind of clothes to pack? Because. I'm trying to pack at the moment and I've got dresses and sandals and things because we live in Queensland and it's lovely mm. and sunny. I've got a few fleeces and jumpers, but a few people in England have said, no, you're going to need jeans, you're going to need jumpers and jackets and coats and warm stuff. And it's been so long since I've been back. We're going back, obviously, September to October. Mm. Um, what was your experience of what you needed to wear? Was it good to be in jeans and T-shirts and layers? To be honest, I think... I wore my jeans once. I wore my leggings um, because it, I just found them comfortable. So I just had a few pairs of leggings um, that I wore. And so that was probably May. And then I, it was, it was. I mean, I had my boots in when I went up in Scotland. And I still wore leggings um, and a uh, jumper and a fleece. Obviously, I had to buy the hat on the openings because that was that was chilly. It was about eight degrees. But I think the wind chill was minus three million degrees. That's what it felt like. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> seriously, it did. Um, and then, of course, so, but I, what, what was really interesting is when I was packing, I, uh, so I didn't take a huge amount. It's, you know what? I still didn't wear everything I took. So even though I didn't take a huge amount, I still took too much. But I did put in a pair of shorts. I thought, I'm going to put a pair of shorts in because you never know. And actually, I wore them when I was down in Cornwall because um, it was warm enough so I've got pictures of me in shorts which I I don't remember being living in the UK and wearing shorts um, yeah. and then it was hot in London as well um, so I wore a lot of crop trousers and t-shirts but a, a lot of layers as well so I did have a thin jacket on but I also took it actually took a thicker jacket um that I bought not sure which is more like a gilet type with kind of furry inside and I, I think I wore that when I was up in the Orkneys but oh I'll tell you what I did wear a lot which I had actually I'd left it in the UK so mum had it was I bought myself like um, a rain jacket and um and uh luckily it was uh it was my mum's and I managed to take it I took it with me up to Scotland and I was like it was one of these foldy up ones and um you know like it packs like a pack and mac type thing and um so anyway, I I uh, took that up to Scotland. Honestly, it was the godsend that I did because I'm never. I always think I'm going to get too hot and sweaty in them, which always puts me off. But honestly, I wore that a lot in Scotland because it rained and it was it was really easy to fold up and use when we needed it because it was actually quite windy. So an umbrella wouldn't have lasted two seconds; it would just got blown inside out. Um, so and it also had a hood. So when we were in Edinburgh, so the first day we were in Edinburgh, I got sunburned. The next, the second day in Edinburgh, it was it poured down with rain the entire day. 
So I've got a picture of me in my in this Mac thing I've got with my hood and t- tied up tight. <laughs> so it, you know, the you know what the UK weather's like. It's it kind of varies. Right the, place. Place. <laughs> yeah. the the key really is layers. So I had I had t-shirts, um, then I had thin thin long sleeve tops, um, had one pair of jeans, a few pairs of leggings, and then um, like crop trousers and a couple of dresses. Um, so I still took, let's say I still took too much. And I also did, I have to say, hands up, I did buy quite a few clothes when I was back. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm, I haven't got a coat because we live in Queensland and why yeah. do we need a coat? Um, so I've, I've got jumpers and things, but I'm going to go home and figure if I need a coat, I'll have to buy a coat if it's too cold. But you know, you know what's also good, what you can do in the UK is you can just go to one of the charity shops. Really, I mean, there's so many charity shops to choose from. So if you wanted to get something and you were caught out, I'd, and, you know, I used to do this in London because I used to live off Kensington High Street. Well, the charity shop in Kensington High Street has designer, used to have designer stuff in it. <laughs> I remember seeing a Max Mara coat in there. So, uh, you know, so you can get, if if you're desperate, go and pick up something in a charity shop that will just do for the trip while you're back. Not going to cost you much. And I actually know people who house sit and that's what they do. They take very little with them. And then if they need anything, particularly in the UK, because the charity shops... Um, are, are really good you can go and pick up something if you if you need it yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm talking about money and spending and all the shopping that you do there how did you manage all of your money when you got there did you I know you've got a wise card I've got a wise account as well which is a great yeah. multi-currency account for moving money across and, and having money in it and spending it on a card is that the main sort of that's method we used for spending yeah, that's what we used um that is absolutely what we used I would say um we did take some cash out on that a couple of occasions. Um, but we, so we just had a little bit of cash with us, um, which I think I would guarantee, I would say to people, do make sure you do have some cash. I keep hearing people saying, oh, you don't need any cash at all. No, you do. You do need to have a little bit of cash, even if it's £50 or £100. I mean, I think we had like £50 each on us, but you need some change. Like it's saying for parking, sometimes you have to pay cash. Some taxi drivers only want cash. So um, Doug went down to Dover and I think the taxi drivers there prefer to have cash. Some will only want contactless or, you know, so you really need to have both those options. Um, so, yes, I use the WISE card because you can use, like I have I had Australian dollars on it, I have American dollars on it, and I could just change what I needed into pounds um, and pay that way. So because the exchange rate is really good, but then obviously I could put money into or into or back to the Australian bank account, into our UK bank account. Um, but the, the Wise card was just fantastic. We used it everywhere. Um, and so, yeah, that's something. I, but I use that wherever I travel in the world. And I've got, I know I've had Hong Kong dollars on that as well before. Um, I've got euros on it. Um, and so you can shift it backwards and forward if you needed it. So obviously we were in Paris for a few days. Um, and you know what? We, we went to Paris for the second time with no cash whatsoever. The last time we did no cash whatsoever and this time we did no cash whatsoever I did t- I took no euros all I we had were our, our wise cards and that's what we used um so I just find that such an, an an easy system obviously I did take a backup credit card um couple of just so just in case I always think you should have and let our bank in Australia know that we're traveling because I didn't want them if we used a credit card saying oh somebody's <laughs> I tried booking uh, Harry Potter tickets on um, mine the other day and got got a, a block <laughs> I got blocked yeah. and I had to phone them up and say sorry it's me I'm trying to book lots of UK things on my card yeah. it's not some scammer doing it but yeah yeah, yeah. point <laughs> um so have you got any tips on kind of ways to save any money while traveling I know it can be really expensive and I know already that uh, fees are mounting up as we're booking all different kinds of parts of the accommodation and different trips and tours and things. Um, have you got any tips for saving any money? Yeah, definitely. So a couple of things that we do. One is that we obviously place like London are going to cost you more for accommodation. So we knew like London and Paris was going to be expensive. So what we did is we looked for um, more reasonable type, you know, cheaper accommodation, still nice. But um, so, for example, like staying in the Shepherd's Hut or staying in the Glamping Pod, I think the Glamping Pod was something like, I don't know, sixty pounds for the night with breakfast. Um, you had to cook it yourself, but hey, it was it was good fun. <laughs> um, so, and we do that everywhere we travel. To be honest, we tend to do a bit of luxury with also a bit of budget. So, mixed and matched it. So, and also what we did is so for Scotland, we just stayed in in guest houses and bed and breakfast because you get your breakfast. So, you know, a full Scottish breakfast will set you up for the rest of the day. 
Um, so we tended to make sure that we booked accommodation. Um, we didn't in London, but majority of accommodation um, outside the cities, we did include breakfast in it. Um, so that's a really good idea to do that. I think it's it's worth adding it. And obviously work out the difference between if you booked it without breakfast, but a lot of things like bed and breakfast and guest houses, it comes as part of it. So um, so that's one thing I'd recommend. The other thing is um, if you're is to go and do a meal deal. So you can go into Sainsbury's or Tesco's or um, Marks and Spencer's or any of the kind of main food um, supermarkets and you can get uh, basically a sandwich, um, a piece of fruit or a pack of crisps, a chocolate bar or something healthy with a drink for a set amount. Um, I've got lots of photos. We actually took photos of different ones um, and I can't remember how much they were now. I know when I lived there, it used to be about £3, obviously the more than that now, but um, that's still a good way to... Um, kind of to budget um because you can just go and get that and that'll keep you going for lunchtime yeah um, so nip in to, tesco or asda or whatever and get yeah. your little platter of food and things yeah so we did that um and so we tended to um also so if we ate like a, a big breakfast we would just have a snack at lunchtime um and then um maybe something later on in the day but again probably not a big meal um I guess we, I don't think we ate as much as we thought we were going to, if that makes sense. I think um, we just were really, we took things like we'd have a breakfast, like breakfast bar or something, you know, a, um, what you call it, like a, yeah, like a. Um, Oat bar kind of. Yeah, that's it. That's what I'm thinking about. I can't think of the words. Yeah. So we'd carry one of those around and, um, you know, have that or pop into Greg's and get a sausage roll. <laughs> <laughs> My husband's dreaming about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a sausage roll and um and like oh the Cornish pasties and obviously <laughs> he's dreaming oh. about that too. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're fantastic. So we did have Cornish pasties and we did have um sausage rolls from Greg's. Uh so and we did have quite a bit of ice cream actually, because I'm not a massive fan of ice cream, but we did have some oh she, we had some lovely gooseberry ice cream when we were down in oh. Cornwall, which was cool. Oh, I was yeah. gonna say, did you have a hedgehog in Cornwall? I didn't, no, I didn't. I know. I'll have to go back and do that. You have that to do that. <laughs> I'll send you a picture because Matt's bound to take us to have one because he loves it. <laughs> please do, please do. That'll be that would be brilliant. That's an ice cream rolled in hazelnut, if anyone has never heard of yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Cross cream in it as well. And it's yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it's not actually a hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, about travel Wi-Fi is an important one to have a discussion of because this is something that we're having a chat about at the moment mm. because I work on my own business and I need to take my laptop and be yeah. kind of collecting devices. How did you manage getting access to Wi-Fi and manage your mobiles and that kind of thing? Well, we had a lot of discussion about this before we went because actually uh, my phone isn't unlocked. So I'd have to have got it unlocked before when I just actually didn't have time. So I was like, mm, what are we going to do? So I was like, do we get a SIM card? Do we? And, you know, and then we kind of knew most of the time that Doug and I would be together um so we just decided to buy a wi-fi portable wi-fi device um so we, we actually purchased that um and then we just added on um i think it was about 95 dollars each month we added on i think it lasted for 30 days um and I, I, that was I can't, I can't remember how much data that gave us but it was generally enough for 30 days and i was um hotspotting off the um off the phone or you know off the um off of the laptop as well off the device so we were all using it so it was really it, it worked out really well even in you know I was thinking when we we're far north Scotland I thought we're not going to have any signal here but actually we're in the glamping part and I could connect my laptop via this wi-fi device the only thing is you had to like moving around by train sometimes it was a bit difficult because obviously it would try and find the signal so it would kind of go on and off but if you were in one place it would keep the signal also um you know majority of the time that we're able to connect so uh, there are there's a lot of free wi-fi in the uk as well so a lot of the like on the trains a lot of the trains have got free wi-fi the airports and uh, a lot of the shopping centers and things like that but i'm always just a little bit worried because they're they're not secure networks um so at least using the wi-fi device so there's there's a few different ones you can buy 
um, which I'll put links to in the show notes. Um, but also that that gives you a private network as well. So, um, you know, I just think for additional security, if you're doing any banking or moving, whatever, it's it's just better. So we use that. Um, we also bought a small phone from, uh, I think it was just from Tesco for about 30 quid. So we had that just so that we had a phone if we needed to make any phone calls. I, I needed to speak to, to uh, my daughter's godparents um, and so it was easier to just phone them. Um, so we just bought a small phone and I think we put about, 20 pounds worth of credit on it and we used that that was it the whole time so you know that that worked really well as well so I think the one or two times that Doug and I were apart one of us would have the wi-fi device and the other would have the phone and we could kind of work it the only thing it it was quite funny is because obviously you buy a 30 pound phone it's quite old so trying to do a text message would take you all day (laughs) so don't buy it if you want to text but it's really good if you need the phone anywhere we're thinking that if we get the Wi-Fi device, then we can just use Messenger to message yeah. everybody or hop on Skype or whatever we need to do to kind of call yeah. people. And so we'll probably end up doing that, I think. But no, it's really helpful to hear how you uh, managed it and whether we do need to get a phone or a SIM card over there or whatever. So that, that's cool. I think um, it's really difficult. And I think it's an, it's something that everybody kind of goes, what should I do? And I, I think, you know, if you can go on to your – if you've got a – you know, provided that you can get a, a reasonable kind of international usage, then you know that's worth exploring. But um, I'm I'm just the sort I just I'm absolutely paranoid about coming back to a twenty thousand dollar phone. Yeah, <laughs> and I've told you my story that I went to Fiji a couple of years ago and turned off everything that I could on the phone apart from just being able to use it as a phone. Um, so all the data, different things were turned off. So it wasn't kind of logging into anything or doing anything in the background. And I got there and it seemed to be fine. And the next morning I woke up and I, t- I looked at it and looked at the bill and it had charged me $100 just overnight, just by wow. being in Fiji, not even using anything, not even turning it on or yeah. looking at anything. So I'm really paranoid about that too. So yeah. I like your idea of just having your Australian phones on, on airplane mode and just... Okay. Keeping them kind of locked down, but just then using the Wi-Fi from a device, it just keeps it really simple. And if you've got a Wi-Fi device, then you don't have to worry about the cost of being in a hotel and having to pay them for Wi-Fi. I know that like traveling around, you often get charged quite a lot for a day or two's Wi-Fi in different hotel resorts. Yeah, and we just added on, like when we went to Paris, I just added on, I don't know, a a small amount of data that we could use when we were in Paris. Um, So that lasted like the the two or three days that we were there. Um, So it had the flexibility to do that. You know, I mean, it's not, it's not perfect. There was times where it took some time to connect or it didn't, but, but it worked for us. And I think it was you know, um, wasn't cheap. I will say it wasn't cheap, but then I also knew that's all we'll be paying. <laughs> so that yeah, you own it now as well. Like exactly, you can rent yeah. them, can't you? You yes, can rent you them can. to keep the cost down. But like you, you know, you're going to be traveling a lot in the future, and you want something you can just yeah. take to whatever country you're going to. Then um, it, it's kind of worth the investment for the future just to have it, and then it's one of part of your travel kit that you can just dig out whenever you need Absolutely. to go anywhere. Absolutely. And like, yeah, you say you, you can hire them, you can pick, pick them up and like he throw in, in places like that. So you can actually hire for the time. You know, if there's more than if there's more two or three of you going, you're going to be together and you all want to access, um, you know, data, then that's probably, you know, definitely worth looking at. Yeah. yeah, and with kids who are obsessed with different gaming yes. devices and stuff. Yes. Yes. And we're going to have quite a lot of time waiting at different airports here and yes. there, so I think it could yeah. be quite a useful one. Um, no, that's cool. Is there anything that you packed to go with that you didn't use? I know you said you didn't wear as many of the clothes as you thought you would. And the opposite way, is there anything that you didn't take that you wished you'd taken? Well, um, I took too many clothes, that was for sure. Um, I took my GoPro, which I didn't use, um, but that was my own fault. And I really should have done it because it would have been really lovely to have taken some some road trip shots from the front of the car with my GoPro. But, um, yeah, so I took that and didn't use it. I actually took my my main full ca- big camera as well, and I've left it in the UK. I just didn't use that. I used my phone. And I should know, most of the time I use my phone because phones this, these days take amazing photos. Um, so So I didn't use that. Um, I know Doug took his binoculars and didn't use those at all. Um, and then in, in, it's really funny in, th- in terms of things that we wish we'd taken. I, there wasn't anything, um, but one thing we had to buy, which I didn't expect, <laughs> I genuinely didn't expect, was sun cream. <laughs> we just had to buy a lot of sun cream because it was so it was so hot. 
Um, so luckily we had we had our um, you know UK travel planner hats on. Um, otherwise, I would have had to buy, buy bought a hat as well. Um, so yeah, we we bought sun cream when we're over there. Um, otherwise, I don't think so. I think um, I did have to buy an extra suitcase to come back with. I will have to put my hands up on that one. So um, what was it filled with? What were all the souvenirs that you bought? Oh well, I bought a lot of clothes. <laughs> Um, I did have some some bits and bobs, some photos actually that I'd left in the UK with my mum, so I brought those back to Australia. Um, so we bought lots of, uh, we just bought lots of things like, like uh, I don't know, not NAF because I think they're great, but lots of frig- fridge magnets. So we've got fridge magnets from every single place we went to. Um, I bought. I've got some healing cow ones that are like say healing cow on them from our honeymoon when we went around Scotland years yeah. ago. <laughs> it's just obviously I open the fridge and I go, all these, you know, and actually we've got some on the tumble drive, some on the fridge. There's just fridge magnets everywhere. And they're obviously, but they're cheap. The thing is they're a cheap thing yeah. to buy and they're a good memento. We did buy a lot, quite a few mugs, actually. I bought a lot of Scottish cow um memorabilia like uh, a scarf and a mug and um I bought my daughter a, like, a makeup bag with um Highland cues on it and a little badge and um oh and I also went, went so I went to we went to Harry Potter Studios which we've been to a few times which is absolutely brilliant and highly recommend I know you go in um so I bought my daughter a um uh, a, a book and I had her name engraved on it which I just thought was lovely so just a just a jotter kind of thing, but it's really smart. So she really liked that. I mean, she's 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 in her mid twenties, but I still like getting the things with the name on. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think I think that was it really. And um, yeah, just I did I did buy some small little vodkas because there's lots of not um, vodkas gins I should say gin little gins because there's lots of um, different gins you can buy at the different places. Now I don't drink gin, but I bought I did bring a few little samples back uh, for some friends over in Australia. Who, <laughs> I drink gin. <laughs> just oh, to say. I didn't know I should have brought you some. That's what I brought you some. <laughs> no. Um, so I just bought just a couple, like one from um, from Lindisfarne and one, I think the other one's from Chatsworth House, actually. Um, so, yeah, I brought those back just for a friend. So there's not, if you like gin, there's lots of different, um, you can get lots of little bottles of different types of gin because lots of places are doing it, um, including actually the um, Bakewell um Pudding and Bakewell Tart Shop in Bakewell. They've got, they've just started one. Unfortunately, it wasn't in a small sample because I would have even been tempted to have that one because I do like a good <laughs> Bakewell Tart. Um, yeah, so there's lots of lots of different um, kind of uh, gins available these days if you like gin. Um, so I'm trying. I think that was about it. We didn't. We we did. We did bring extra luggage back, but um, not too much. Oh, we did bring some chocolate back, which <laughs> bring chocolate and marmite. <laughs> produce and marmite, <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. have to bring back marmite things <laughs> absolutely well yeah Doug loves his marmite so that was cool. so um, I was just gonna say we're talking about highlights you know and and um, because there's so many I keep forgetting but um one place in London um that I just want to recommend for anybody who's gone to London is to go to Greenwich go to Greenwich for the day and really explore it because Greenwich is, it's not a hidden gem. I hate that kind of term anyway, but it's just a lovely place in London to get away from kind of like the main city, get on the, get on the Uber, get yourself along to Greenwich um, and go to the Painted Hall and the Naval College, which is stunning, absolutely stunning. And go to the Queen's House and go and see the Tulip Stairs staircase. Those are the two things that are kind of my little tips for this one, this uh, podcast, um, to just go and see those because they are. I had not been to either before, um, and just beautiful. The painted hall is is so special, and uh, the Tulip Staircase is so pretty. So those are definitely worth going to. In Greenwich, you get beautiful views of the city of uh, well of London as well. So you know, go and stand on the hill. Go and stand on the Greenwich Meridian with your foot in each hemisphere. That's always worth doing. So that's a really <laughs> fun place to go. And if you've got kids as well, they can go run around the park. So, you know, it's, it is a lovely part of London. Yeah, and no, I'll have to see if we can add that in. I know we've got a few days in London planned. So, oh, my gosh, there's so much to cram in. <laughs> be like, I've got a list of places I want to add to my list and more foods we want to eat and more things we want to do. But have you got any kind of parting tips for things like just any of your top tips from now you've done the trip what you'd like to leave people with 
I think you have to be flexible. I think travel is still not back to how it was pre-COVID, so that you need to have some flexibility. As I've said, in the UK at the moment, you know, there there have been train strikes, so you've got to have flexibility around travel um, and have a plan B. Um, I also think, um, yeah, you know, for flying as well, so it hasn't it hasn't just affected, you know. Um, driving or trains or you know because obviously the cost of petrol is more expensive so you've got to factor that in um but also you know some flights were cancelled i know there's been issues with luggage that's been lost so there's been a lot of stress around that um i think you just have to go um into it with a kind of open mind and have the flex just deal with the if anything happens and you have to change your plans so i I tend to, I'd say 99% of the time, I book hotels with um, free cancellation. I booked majority of our tours. I did, we did a lot of tours through Get Your Guide. Again, with a lot of those tours, a 24-hour cancellation. We did some fantastic tours with um, with walks um, in London and in Paris. Um, so, But again, having that flexibility just in case you need to change your plans um, and just kind of, just go and enjoy it. I think it's um, it's still. Uh, it, it seemed to me that um, tourism is not back to the numbers that it was pre-COVID. Um, and I know that I've got um, you know, friends and businesses in London who say that it still isn't at that point yet. Um, but definitely, um, don't try to try try to cram too much in. I mean, we did a lot and it was exhausting, um, but we thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, but I wouldn't certainly would recommend if anybody was going for the first time for the length of time that we would probably have a little bit more downtime in it. Um, I think we were just on a high for 12 months because it, for 12 weeks because it was just so exciting to be back and, and to be able to go to revisit a lot of places we'd been to. Um, so and I think, you know, the, the other thing is we came back w- with another huge list of places we want to go to. So it's like just just enjoy what you can and then think, well, I'll go back the next time I'll go back and I'll go and see, you know, the next the next list because I've got my next list of places that I want to go. <laughs> um, Are you planning uh, your next trip already? Yeah, well, I, I oh, well, I, I absolutely love London at Christmas. I love the spirit. Of, I just love it. I love all the Christmas lights. I love Covent Garden at Christmas. I love walking through Leicester Square. The smell of chestnuts. Um, oh, those cold, crisp days. Um, so oh, I don't know if I'll get there this Christmas, but it's certainly kind of drawing me back I definitely think oh yeah I'm gonna have to have another it used to be so when we lived in the UK I always used to go down to London just around Christmas time um because I just think it's so special it's so lovely if you do go back at Christmas you have to go to Lincoln Christmas Market Lincoln's where I'm from and it's got the most beautiful Christmas market all around the cathedral and it's so beautiful and so festive and yeah it's it's so different in Australia isn't it with the sunshine it feels really strange yeah, it's really hard. Yeah, I have to say, because I've already thought, well, if I go back, there'll be Bath Christmas Market. I want to go to York Christmas Market, Winchester Christmas Market. So I'll have to ask <laughs> Lincoln in there as well. <laughs> so I don't know. It uh, it probably won't be this Christmas, but it's definitely uh, on the on the cards possibly next year to, to go and spend, um, you know, and it is enjoyable. It's uh, it's very different to going in the the spring and summer where we, we know we've just been, where there was just lambs everywhere and it was just flowers and sunshine and um, you know very warm weather. Um, you know, you, you know what it's like in the winter. It's darker and you, the weather camp obviously is going to be colder, so you've got to wrap up a bit more. Um, but you know, it's it's also an excellent, a fantastic experience to go in the winter as well. So hopefully I'll be actually coming back on the podcast in um, in a few episodes to actually talk about things to do in London at Christmas. I'm looking forward to to, writing some notes out of the things I enjoyed and trying to recommend if anybody's going to be in London in December, what sort of things that they should be including into their itinerary. Uh, Thank you for sharing all about your trip with us. And yeah, I'll be sure to pop some of my pictures when we're traveling around in the uh, Facebook group too. Brilliant. Oh, thanks so much, Karen. It's really been fantastic to talk to you uh, again. And thanks so much for for, um, agreeing to come and kind of have a chat through uh, about our trip. And uh, so pick up some of those tips for, for your trip and have a fantastic time when you're over there. I can't wait to find out how it goes. Thank you. We will.
Thank you again to Karen for chatting to me in this episode. Um, you can find links to all the destinations we visited and points discussed in the show notes for this episode of the podcast at uktravelplanning.com forward slash episode 14. If you enjoy our podcast, please leave us a review wherever you access your podcasts. For more UK travel tips and inspiration, why not join our UK and London Travel Planning Facebook community and or subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Also, pop over to our website for lots and lots more um, resources and travel information and uh, just generally lots and lots of really interesting and useful information to help you plan your UK trip. We're also happy to announce that podcasts will now be available weekly. So that all leaves me to say is until next week, um, happy UK travel planning. Thank you.